you, you know, your time is very, very valuable. You, you should be maximizing your time. And so if that means not playing the games you don't enjoy or not staying in a job that's you're not enjoying anymore, you have to you, you have to care about yourself enough to make your time precious. Rescuers, my name is Che Webster and you're listening to Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our passion for tabletop role-playing games. This episode is the final one of the season, another of the extended conversations I've shared with gaming friends over recent weeks. It was pretty much unplanned as I hopped online to talk and discuss some key ideas with my guest. Jason Connolly is the voice behind the Nerds RPG Variety Cast podcast and a regular caller to several Anchorite shows, including this one even though these days we're not really on Anchor anymore. I think you know what I mean. Jason started gaming around 1983 with the Dungeon board game by David McGarry, and his first RPGs were the Mensa Redbox D&D basic set and the original TSR Marvel Super Heroes RPG. We've gamed a few times over the years, and I always seem to enjoy my games with Jason. And at a time when I was experiencing some disconnection and change, I was really grateful for Jason being willing to not only talk, but let me record what was really a personal conversation. Big thanks up front to Jason, and I hope you'll find the conversation as useful as I did. This is Season 12, Episode 26, Tension and Change, with Jason Connolly. My guest today is Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and um, we decided just to hop online, so uh, I've clicked record. <laughs> How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing, Trey? I'm okay. I'm in um, official day, was it day four since I broke up from school, so this is like really late July. Um, I'm all right. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I have coffee. Yeah, yeah. I I do too. I've got my 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 wife and son went to Graceland the the other month, and he brought me an Elvis Presley coffee mug. So that's what I'm drinking out of. You, Very cool. You can't see it with the right. filter on my screen, but that's, uh, I've got I've got my Rollmaster mug. There you go. Oh, there you go. It's excellent. Mm. I, I've got a Palladium coffee mug that's still in the wrap. I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't actually used it. It's just probably just going to sit on a shelf. Yeah, this Rollmaster mug, I think I must have been using this for uh, 10, maybe 15 years now. Um, I got it when, um, what was it? They were putting out the, re, you know, revamping and putting out classic. Um, and I think that's the classic logo mm-hmm. and artwork from that. And it was about the time when uh, Rollmaster Unified was going into playtest uh sometime in that era as well so that's well that's at least seven eight years ago um and this is yeah this really goes back away i don't know quite how far but you know it's good 
Well, well I think that mug is a good jumping off point. So mm-hmm. we, we we're kind of doing a free form thing here. And Rollmaster is a game that we've both been interested in at various points in our life and, and we're interested in the brand and the company to some degree. But we have really good memories of, of gaming, you know, during the eighties or nineties of, of Rollmaster, right? Yeah. And I know you're trying to focus down on the idea of system mastery, pick a system and get it to the point where you're not really having to think about the mechanics as much. And that way you're not having to change frames as you're playing as much, even as the, the game master, you don't have to change frames, at least not as consciously if you're locked, you know, if you're really dialed into those mechanics, but we have these other games that tempt us, you know, we mm-hmm. have Rollmaster that we, you know, the Rollmaster Unified, they're slowly rolling out the books. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know you did the play test for Rollmaster Unified, but there's the, there's that desire to see what they've done with that system. And so you want to support these companies to some degree because they're genuinely good companies out there that are trying to bring positive things to the community. And we want to mm. support that. And and we're interested in revisiting these games and the updates of these games that we played as a youth. But we also want to focus in and on, on the one game so we can, you know, get the most out of that experience, that limited time we have to play. We want to maximize that. So that's kind of a, a conflict to some degree. Have you, I, I know you've thought about that off and on and, and you've talked about that off and on. Yeah. I think there are a whole bunch of tensions um, sort of in, in the hop, you know, in this hobby stuff. Cause I, I mean, this is the other thing as well as I kind of don't see this as a hobby anymore, but yeah, to come back to the point about the tension, the tension is between kind of wanting to support all these amazing creators in the community, but realizing that there are too many of them to, um, you know, support them. And then there's the tension of nostalgia and um, the desire to go back and uh, relive those old days versus the the reality that we're not those people anymore and our tastes and everything have probably changed and moved on. And then for me, there's the tension of um, sort of doing what I want to do and doing what the people I'm interacting with want to do. Uh, and whether that is like the players at a table if I'm GMing or the other players in the GM in a game if I'm playing. Um, and even down to, I mean, we've sort of alluded to this in, uh, in conversation before as well, even between the the perceived um, audience of the podcast, you know, like, so like there's a sense of, at least in my head, there's a sense of like you um, doing what I do for other people, but at the same time doing what I do because it's, it's me exploring and doing things do you know what i mean and so yeah there are all these tensions and it's 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 quite difficult yeah and 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 i'm going to be a little bit mean here i'm going to take you maybe a little bit uncomfortable place and 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 you can always stop me but but i think this maybe came to a head for you or at least as far as interacting with listeners with the actual play that you've been doing with the idea of you know you'd started that using brp Mm -hmm. and enjoying that but then you felt the draw really Maybe you want to concentrate on doing GURPS, but then you're being pulled because the game was des- the solo game was designed for for you, for your imagination, mm-hmm. for your enjoyment, for your play, and and GURPS would better serve that. But you feel respons- somewhat of a responsibility to your listeners to continue doing it in BRP. So there's that pull, and I feel that too as a podcaster. You know the difference between what I want to do is my hobby, and then also to 
you know, give the listeners what they want. And it, and I don't, it's not as bad for me because I pretty much like all games. So I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty flexible, but, but especially in the actual play and, you know, for the pa- fellow patrons listening to roll the journal, the jam journal, you could hear that, you know, I, I want to give the listeners what they want, but I, I really want to do this instead. And, and, mm. and that poll. Yeah. And I have it all the time. I mean, uh, so you know, all of my games, uh, keep collapsing and and the reason i think they keep collapsing ultimately is because they're just so fragile um and they're fragile you know in my in my mind because they're not they're not really what i you know what i want to do you know nothing that i'm kind of touching is quite there and um and that's and that's actually like unavoidable at this stage it seems and i i see that and yeah so it's coming back to the solo it's like I started that off and then when you're doing a solo game, I think it's really important to record it in some way. And I just mean that in the most broad sense of that. So I I, I type notes and then you kind of realize that there's kind of a nice kind of emergent um, sort of narrative element to that. And I've also found in the past that when I do solo games, people enjoyed when I blogged them you know, for different games. And I have this style of, or well, have had this style of being between like the emergent narrative is one element and then explaining what I'm doing with the rules, which I think has helped a lot of people. I started this with Mithras way back um, about 2018 or something, 2017, maybe even earlier, uh, doing this on the old blog that I had. And um, yeah, people responded really well. So I get a kind of similar thing. That's my style idea. And I put it out there. It's role play rescue solo tales. And there are four episodes and I, there's definitely a fifth one I need to record probably later this week, actually, as I'm sitting here talking to you. And it takes it to the, the tail to a certain point. And then there were some sessions after that, like probably about uh, twice as many. You know what I mean? Like another chunk of those. That, but I, I I feel like I don't want to record those um, because that's the point where the game started to get like, yeah, go go where I didn't want to go, if you know what I mean. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever, but I, no, you I, are. You know, I became increasingly what I set out to do with that game was to go back to BRP and see what I could do with that. And then I very quickly kind of had a bit of fun with it. And then I realized that um, that original sort of BRP thing wasn't quite like ringing my bell, as it were. I wasn't quite, you know, what I wanted to do. And I kept coming back to GURPS as a cool game system. And, and the weird thing about it is that. With GURPS is that the the version of that that I'm interested in mucking around with is that is probably just about the most stripped down sort of because GURPS is a toolkit so it is about like stripping that down and that's diametrically opposed to the way or it seems to me the majority of GURPS players play so you know they play with like everything in the kitchen sink mm-hmm. kind of version and and I'm kind of talking about like the 3D6 roll loan the dice and damage dice adds, adds damage system and the reaction table and like the kind of basics of the combat system and not much else <laughs> you know like little subsystems depending on genre and um it's like that's jarring to the GURPS community I mean everyone out there will probably think I'm insane like why would you play this game with all this rich stuff in it why are you ditching most of it um and it's because that that, that core engine is so solid and useful that it seems to me a waste not to use it you know mm-hmm. um but yeah the tension is 
like the expectations of everyone else around you know around what you're doing so as a podcaster you know i've got as an audience it's not a huge audience but it's an audience and and you know i don't know it's, it's kind of all the time you're thinking always double thinking there's always this thing of like oh, i want to do i feel like doing this but what should i do i don't know if you if you know what i mean no i i, I do it's tough it's and and part of that's trying to now we're both lucky in that we do get not you know full bags of mail every week but we we get feedback from our listeners yeah you, you know we have some regular listeners that we we get regular feedback from and then we have irregular feedback from other listeners but i can't imagine doing a podcast where you're not getting that feedback from the listeners because we're getting a little bit of feedback hey good job or i enjoyed you did this or you, yeah. you know what about this but doing a podcast you, you know because we both started using anchor you know because partially because it was easy and probably partially because of the feedback function yep. and having that listener feedback, especially once you're used to getting that. Yeah. It's, it's that it's definitely a, it's a two-way thing, right? You're feeding off listeners and listeners are feeding off you. Mm, right. Yeah, yeah. It's a symbiotic thing, isn't it? There yeah. we go. Thank you. Yeah. That's um, much better. <laughs> and, and a good example of that is the episode, um, the apprentice GM, I think it's called it's episode 24 of season 12. And in that episode, you've called in about the episode I did on Mastery back in 22. And mm -hmm. that's right at the heart of that episode is your call-ins and my responses to those call-ins. And it's it's like actually the calls that you made and a couple of other people have made actually, and, and the messages I've got from email, they absolutely informed where I'm at, you know what I mean? And they helped me, they helped me have realizations really. Um, and I think that this is the thing about being the podcaster that I really personally value is the the realizations that I keep having. Um, and what I mean by that is those aha moments where things click and you realize the truth of something. Um, do you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And, it, you know, I'm on this sort of journey of discovery about really it's, it's as much into myself and into what I want as anything else. But um, along the way, I have these massive insights and they often come from what seems like the most innocuous comment um and somebody calls in and they think that just you know it's like a random thought you know or whatever just put it out there and it can hit you like a train you know um whoa that's really cool so that's that's amazing yeah that's kind of what keeps me coming back to the mic i think um I, you know the amount of times over the last few weeks i've been at the point of why am i doing this and i should maybe i should stop and then i sort of do another episode and then someone calls in and another insight and and it's sort of yeah i have to keep reminding myself that um you know no no keeping going might actually be just about the thing i need the most yeah i agreed the times i've thought about you, you know there's so many great podcasts out there there's so many podcasts that are much more polished than mine that have mm -hmm maybe two hosts and and I personally always enjoy hearing people interact mm. and but then I'll get that you know so I'll have that doubt in my mind you know should I keep doing this but then I'll get that email hey I just want to let you know I've really enjoyed your podcast I look forward to it every week and you know that yeah. those little things um and and they kind of keep you going it, it but but there's there's definitely a tension there between the time it takes and and you understand this even more than I do because I don't script you you script some of your episodes I don't script any of mine hmm. and the time it takes to prepare an episode to edit an episode to just all the the back work not to mention recording it 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 really eats into your hobby time 
into your free time. So, so there's a, a tension there between the amount of time you get to game and the amount of time you have to put towards podcasting, or maybe mm-hmm. the time that you should be doing something around the house instead. You, you, you know, maybe I should be cutting the grass instead of podcasting, right? That, that kind of thing. Yeah, or even reading a book. Because the thing about yeah, the thing about it is it's the energy it takes. And um as I get older, I realize I have like a lot less energy. Um and I mean this is the where like recent all of my recent games have died on the altar of of like not having enough energy and not putting time when I have energy aside to do them. Um I tended to I mean I've really only just coming to this realization. It's like so stupidly obvious, but the um you know, I was kind of like do my prep at the after the end of the working day i'd come home i'd write i'd write a blog post which takes mental energy and then i'd try and prep and most days by then i'm out of juice um and so i don't and so that kind of drifts and i've like had this thing where i have two weeks between sessions but actually i could go those full 14 days and in that time never have the energy when i need it um and of course the weekends get get used for other things so the podcast gets recorded on a, a sort of Saturday afternoon. The Saturday morning is housework and stuff and helping out with the rats and all of that. You know, mm-hmm. Sunday, actually, I've been returning to church. And so there's a three-hour chunk of my day in terms of traveling there, taking part in the liturgy, coming home, having a meal with my wife. And then in the afternoon, you know, sort of been rest and recovery, and then you're back to work. So actually, um, you know, where's the hobby fit? And the reality of that, that is that, you know, I'm coming to a home to a holiday period now, so I get to reassess this, but I have to move my tiny prep to another point in the day. It needs to go in the front of the day somewhere. And then you have that horrible thing of, well, where do I put it in this? Because my front of my day is so already front loaded. I'm up at 4 a.m., um, you know, and I go to work at 7 and I'm home at like, I don't know, 4, 5 o'clock, 5, 5.30 in the afternoon and and I'm exhausted um so yeah i mean i get that and of course roleplay rescue as a podcast that's entirely about that problem really (laughs) you know i spent spent the last four years pretty much arguing that we have to make the time and then i kind of don't (laughs) so there's intention isn't that called hypocrisy (laughs) yeah it's well it's tough It, it it is it's it i mean we know what you and I both know what it takes to exercise, to eat healthy, to, you know, how much sleep we're supposed to get at a night, things like that. Right. Mm. Logically, you know, those things, but to put that into practice, you know, isn't always as easy. You, you, you know, you can do it, but you have to put that time aside, you know, to eat correctly. You need to be prepping your meals. You need, you know, to take to work, you know, not, I don't know how it is over there, over here in America, the, you, you know, the, the convenience of stopping it at the gas station to grab a sandwich in the morning or stopping mm-hmm. in a fast food place as opposed to taking that time to prep your, your food and to take with you. It's, you, yeah. you, you know, it, I, that's kind of a weird analogy, but it's no, but you, you know, logically, you know what to do, but it's, it's hard to put in practice. Yeah, absolutely. I spent a year uh, changing my food habits um, in sort of 2000. And, so we're talking about 2020. Uh, as we went into just before actually the end of 2019 and then into the pandemic basically that year um you know i did i did noom um the i used that app um uh, to like you know reteach me like food habits and um it's been really powerful and i i lost 
like lots of weight. I uh, got really healthy. Um, I also went through at the end of that period. I also finally, you know, went through my mental health crisis, and in part that had to do with those changes because shifting my diet fundamentally changed, you know, how I felt and how I was. And then when that compounded with all of the stresses of the the pandemic and all the things that were going on in terms of being a school teacher in that environment at that time in the place I was, you know, all of that compounded. Um, and yeah, then the, the next cycle was from that, you know, from physical health to mental health. And then that's been a year or two cycle of kind of finding my equilibrium again. And now here I am. And the next cycle seems to be around, um, you know, I've made a massive career kind of shift, which has been really healthy. And now alongside that comes this, this kind of personal shift, because everything's bound together. So as mm-hmm. I shifted to that, you know, really positive place in my career, again, um, actually, that's kind of had the the inverse effect on on my hobby, if you want to come back to that horrible term, um, to my gaming. And yeah, so I'm now in this cycle of what, well, how do I how do I reform that? And that and and I think that the point that I'm trying to make here is that that huge shift with food, that huge shift with mental health, that huge shift in terms of career, like, you know, each of those takes courage to really step out of your patterns and rebuild your habits. And I'm now at the point personally where I recognize that, you know, after so many years of really unhealthy patterns in my gaming, that actually the only way I'm going to resolve this is by deliberately tearing down all of those habits and building some new ones um and that's kind of where i am today and that's one part of the reason why i wanted to talk to you was that to sort of start unpicking some of that really um and i'm having some fab conversations and messages and all sorts of things with people in the community especially over the last couple of weeks because it has been really the last two or three weeks that this has started to sort of unravel you know um and and you know as with all things like chaos chaos is 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 uncomfortable um and can be can feel overwhelming but at the same time it provides an opportunity for something new you know like as you de as you disintegrate everything that was the structures you had before you then get to reintegrate and rebuild something you know in a different way um and that's the opportunity yeah it's one of those things that you you know change is going to happen whether we want it to or not, and whether you embrace that change and approach it in a positive, hopeful way, looking for what you can gain out of the change as opposed to what you're losing out of the change. Mm. And, you know, that mindset, you know, what it goes back to the old, you know, is the glass half full or half empty, right? It, <laughs> it, it's, it's all how you approach it. Um, but I also think it's about making like choices, you know, like the choice to lose weight, get healthy, like spend money on a program which kind of had some really good credentials and actually turned out to be incredibly effective. The decision to admit that you're struggling with your mental health and then go and seek help and then embrace that. And the thing, you know, I remember my therapist said to me on several occasions, like you're one of the few patients who is genuinely wanting to change, you know, um, and that's why you're making progress. And that's what's really positive, you know, um, and that feedback was really important to me to understand that, yeah, you, you know, actually you, you go into these things, you, you know, you can make the commitment because I've been half hearted about these things in the past. You know, there's plenty of times when I've done the whole New Year's resolution. I will get healthy. I will, 
and then don't. And it's because in the end, you don't make, you're not prepared to destroy what you Mm -hmm. currently have. You know, like the comfortable safe place is that. Status quo is really good at being status quo um, because it's safe and comfortable and, you know, and solid. Um, But when it's become unhealthy, you know, it, it actually holds you back and and can really lead to some you know to some pretty difficult kind of ways of being actually it gets really un- it's like the comfort becomes uncomfortable in a kind of weird paradoxical way um mm-hmm. if that makes any sense whatsoever you know kind of on one level i can know that sitting in front of the tv eating junk food watching binging another thing on netflix which is this dreadful habit i have got into or had got into um that actually you know there's a familiarity to that that makes that feel safe but also you can be sitting there doing it and thinking to yourself there's no joy here anymore what why am i you know i feel bad <laughs> um and not recognize that actually that you know it's that habit that's just holding you in place and so to bring that to you know to gaming you know i've i'm in this i was in this loop have been in this loop of like try something get excited about something try something for a little while and then like i said not not organize myself enough to be able to put in the effort I know I need to make, which isn't necessarily a big effort. It just needs a lot of little effort. It's kind of the way I've come to understand it, but you need to do that when you've got the energy, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of a daily decision thing. It like I've, I've come to understand that, you know, you have to like the same decision I had to make with the food, the same decision I had to make with my mental health, the same decision I have to make about work. You know, each day, all those things, it's what I want. Do I want to continue to be healthy? Do I want to continue to, you know, do I want to continue doing this job, you know, and and, and providing this thing? And then it becomes, do I want to continue doing this this game thing in the way that I know is going to be really satisfying? Um, and, and those are, that's, that to me, that's a really, that's the fundamental question. Yeah, I, oh. I don't know that you can hear enough, but let me congratulate you because you've done some really amazing things, right? You, you The losing weight thing, the eating healthy things hard, the changing career, not changing career, but, you know, moving out of a bad job into a good job. You know, that's incredibly hard to, you know, even if it, you're not happy in a job, the stress of leaving a job to go somewhere new that may or may not work out is very tough. The you know, when, when you look at those, you, you look at all these things you, you've made. A, well, even look at your game, right? You've slowly been selling off the gaming products you know you're not going to use. Mm. And how many of us have stacks of games that we're, <laughs> you, you, you know, we're not willing to sell that, that are just sitting there? So 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 you've done a, a really great job and you, and you deserve kudos for all that kind of thing. And you, you talk about like, you know, the sitting in front of the TV and. Yeah, it's comfortable, but you you know it's not really what you need to be doing. And to bring that back into gaming, you you know, right now you're, you, I I think this discussion that we've been having on on your show, on, um, on Runeslinger's casting shadows, on Anthony's casting shadows, over in Random Scree with Jason Hobbs, and and a variety of other places, Spencer Free Thralls kind of got in there a little bit. Uh, but the idea of talking about frames and thinking about how we approach gaming and there's not a, a right way or wrong way to, to play and n- nobody's saying that, but for you, you want to st- try to stay in that character frame. 
And even as a GM, you don't want to try to switch frames as much. So as much as we love, like we talked, we started this talk about Rollmaster and Rollmaster is a fun game, but it's definitely a game where you're going to go into that player frame and rules frame quite a bit as you're looking at charts and reading results and doing that. And that's not, I'm not saying that's bad, but if the intention is to stay in the character frame and not leave it, it, it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's a place for games like that, 100%. And you love tactical skirmish games, things like that. There's a place for that, 100%. But if you're trying to get that character experience, then those aren't the best games. And and we have to have the courage to say, I want this experience tonight. This is the game we, we need to play to get that experience. You, you know, I need to let go of the fact that, you know, 20 years ago, I loved Rollmaster, so hopefully I'll get that experience again when we when we, logically we know it's not, you, you know, it's fighting us and giving it that, that experience, right? Mm. For me, that, that I mean, and again, this comes back to like literally where I'm at right now, but this concept of being an apprentice again um, that I've kind of, it's kind of arisen, a I suppose, because again, it comes from, series of realizations but i think it's been really healthy and so on one level i can absolutely provide as a gm any kind of game probably that i know how to run and and, I, and for that for me that's that's basically a sort of traditional role-playing game uh where there's a gym and a bunch of players and there's a rule system that adjudicates things and where it's broadly speaking about you know the sort of emergent um kind of a narrative that arises <laughs> through play but you know i can provide a, a pretty open game you know a game experience and i can i can fiddle around with those dials as a gm but then you know the biggest realization so that's true but then then there's another part of me that just goes but why would so i know what i want to have as a player so then it becomes this i know how to provide that as a gm so I know that there are no GMs out there I know of who provide a game experience that fits my needs right now and my schedule. All right. There might be one GM I know, or maybe two GMs I know out there who maybe, you know, maybe that the, what they would offer would be kind of pretty damn close to what I would, would want. But what I do know is if you want, if you listen to what I'm talking about as a player or wanting as a player and you want that, I know how to provide that. Like, and increasingly with confidence, you know. Um, but to come back to the analogy of The Apprentice, I think that I've had to unlearn everything again. So it's like almost like there's a real value in just going back to the beginning and and to get, come back to the thing about food and, and mental health and job and everything else. Like with food, I had to come back to like what it is that the, the, the realities and the truth, the science, as it were, behind like why, what we eat, why we eat, what it does to us and all those kind of things. And there's a whole load of learning that I got. That I had to kind of go and unlearn a whole load of things that, you know, I, I thought I knew. And then with mental health, it's the same. Had to go and like, you know, become a beginner again about like looking at how my experience of life is and, and the way I perceive the world and, you know, and facing up to a lot of the underlying stuff that's sort of surging around. And then when you see that, then you can start to like change your behaviors and kind of get different results. And so with gaming, it's this thing of like, well, I kind of know it's facing up to like, these are the fundamental building blocks that are probably going to be in any game. And then, but you know, the way in which you can present those and the way in which you can put those together can be completely different 
And, you know, like if you just drop the assumptions that you have and sort of go and look at, like, if I tried this, like if I do this this way, I get this effect. You start seeing that happen and you learn those things. You start, you know, again, learning your trade and, and sort of learning to put those things together and create a product, as it were, that is, this is the experience I can offer you at the table. Once you start to see that unfold, it actually is quite a rapid, like how you, you shift your perspective and then you, you shift the experience that you're offering. And and to me, the frustrating thing, the tension is this thing of like wanting to please the people I care about as players and friends and at the same time go, why don't you want this shiny thing that we could do together? And um, yeah, that that's again, we, we're into tensions, you know? Right. Well, it's the, that's the thing. It's, it's what you want. You, you know, the experience you want to have as a player, and you want to be able to provide that experience to other people because you know as a GM you can provide that experience that you want as a player, but you're you're bumping up against the fact that, at least at the moment, there aren't as many players out there that are looking for that experience. There there, mm-hmm. there are some, right? Mm-hmm. I mean we know that, and but yeah, it I, I totally understand that, and that's I mean it's and for people that even for the people listening to this that that are saying well. I'm not that much into other world immersion and all, but it's it's no different than if you have always wanted to run a certain campaign and you can never find players to play in that campaign. It's that same tension, right? You, you, you've always wanted to run Traveler, but you can never find players to play in Traveler. That's the same tension that that I'm feeling Che is is facing here. He's got this experience he wants to share with people. And right, I'm saying he, you're sitting here in front of me, right? But but you, you have an experience you, you want to try to share with people and pe- and getting people to open up to it is the tough part right because once they accept it and feet and experience it i i know w- once i played and and i'm not that's not the only experience i want to have but the other world immersion experience is is wonderful and i really enjoyed that game that we played and i would very much like to play that again mm-hmm. I, like you i also enjoy the skirmish stuff i enjoy other mm-hmm. things so that's not the only gaming i want to do but i am hundred percent open and i think more people if they tried it would enjoy it i i do think it's something that people just need to it there's no harm in trying a game of it right and i think people might enjoy it more than they they think they will mm. but it's also like the, the the thing about like i love tactical skirmish well role-playing games used as a tactical skirmish war game um, and what I mean is, like, because actually, if I'm playing a tactical skirmish war game, I'm not role playing, um, and 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 you know that's because of the way I think about role. So role playing is being in character as character for me. Um, mm-hmm. And when I'm playing a tactical war game, I'm looking down on a board with the pieces on that board, and I'm interacting much more with, you know, like how to min minimize or maximize the outcomes through the mechanisms of the game rules um i'm i'm looking to leverage the game in the same way that i would look to leverage the rules of poker to win at poker or i would look to leverage the rules of chess to win at chess and i love those games by the way like you know poker i don't have much as much experience with as i perhaps probably should but chess you know yeah i've been playing a lot of that recently again with with some students and um you know and kind of bringing my game back up and again there's like it is a fantastic tactical kind of challenge it's a different kind of game and then i i play something like um when I, mean, I could i could really enjoy a D 
third edition tabletop battle you know because that's you know that to me was like a, a really good example of a familiar fairly familiar kind of use of role-playing games kind of core mechanisms to to reduce this really exciting you know battle really you know skirmish level battle you know one one-on-one mano a mano kind of like level of gaming and that's what i love about the GURPS tactical game systems for tactical combat but what i've realized increasingly is that i like that and i distinct from you know mm-hmm. really immersive game role playing and in fact what i realize increasingly is sometimes a combat is might it might be disruptive to like that experience especially if that combat doesn't make a lot of sense you know so if you if if that character getting into a fight without negotiation which is often what happens in a lot of uh you know games that i've played in and, and have run over the years i had this just last night actually with guys getting into a fight and i was thinking there's a really really strong incentive here to to go and parlay you know mm-hmm. they didn't it didn't even i don't think it even crossed their minds as a group of players because and partly to it has to do with the tropes and again the regular kind of game where you just don't do that you know, you, you you basically you kind of assume that oh well, we can take them, we should take them. You know, the only time they would really parlay is if they were seriously out and obviously outclassed, and then they might you know try and wriggle their way out of it. And yet, to Ooh. me, like a living character in a fantasy world, like why would I put myself into that situation unless it is for the highest possible stakes? Like it would have to be, like mm-hmm. this is like. My, I lay down my life to save a great deal of other people's lives kind of situation, you know? Right. And, and it's interesting because we get, when you go back and look at, say, BX, mm. you, you know, Olve Cook, Dungeons and Dragons, mm. the play examples in that book have parlay in there, <laughs> yep. you know? And, and so, it, you know, it wasn't always a foregone conclusion that you always must attack, right? And yeah. and they even tried to reinforce that in the rule books. Yep. Um, but no, it's it's a, so I'm in an ongoing Pathfinder one game and that tactical part is very satisfying. It's very interesting. Although as you get higher in levels, you end up with more. It, it, it's a lot like Warhammer Quest from the 90s, where <laughs> yeah. it, as, you, as you go up in level, you end up with, you, you know, the space in front of you with all your abilities and cards and items. You, you know, you're, you're trying to remember what you can do because you can you mm-hmm. have so many options. It's it's yeah. hard to remember all those things. Um so it, it definitely it's hard to think as the character through the character's eyes when you're paging through, you, you know, two dozen feats and figuring out what's the most suited to to, to do this round. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to be to be technical there, you know, what's happening is you're in the rules frame and, you know, yeah. like tactical gaming, like it's a rules frame thing. And then you're moving between rules and kind of being the player and the interactions you have between players as players and then the interactions you have between sort of characters as a mechanical entity do you know what i mean like this power ma- matches that power this number of hit points versus that armor class then that right. weapon and all of that as opposed to my character you know doing what they're doing and, and it might seem like a really subtle distinction um but actually the you know the thing about believing like the make-believe dialing the make-believe bit up is just well, at least from my point of view, just so much richer um, mm. in in terms of 
of what you know imagination can provide, I suppose. And of course, you know, it's not necessarily for everybody. You know, like playing make believe games is is not for everybody. And you know, um, and because it arises out of wargaming, there is this wonderful chimeric kind of blurring of the lines in those things. You know, and there is a necessity to have combat in a game that's really, you know, immersed as well. Um, but of course, the question becomes like, how much does the player need to interact with the mechanisms of play you know while they're in in that experience and you know that's what we're calling into question here mm-hmm. um but i mean I'll, I'll kind of just steer this slightly back to the conversation of like we st- where we start with the tensions that we feel um you know what i'm becoming really aware of is that um I I have felt increasingly isolated as a gamer because of that expressing that particular um, preference, and then realizing that the majority of people around you think you, you sound like a crazy guy. You know, like, at least that's how you know initially it, it seems. And I found that the only the only way to sort of overcome that has been to double down on and keep repeating and helping people understand where I'm coming from, um, you know, to try and kind of express it in increasingly clear ways so that um, I don't sound like I'm talking gobbledygook. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but, you know, when you when you clash worldviews, when the way I look at the, the game and the game and the hobby is so totally different from the way you might look at the game and the hobby, the only way that we can kind of have a meeting is by you know, having that dialogue, you know, a hundred percent. And and I think they're even as gamers, you would like to think we're open-minded and, and accepting it all, but, but it's very easy to fall into, no, it must be done this way. This is the way we've always done it. And, and, and I don't think that's a healthy attitude. You, you know, but neither of us are enamored and you've played 5e more than I have, but, but neither of us are super enamored with 5e. They're, not that there's anything wrong with it, but you know, I just did an interview last night as we're recording this with um, Pat Mooney, whose company does Nations and Cannons, which is a they use 5e to power a historical game, no supernatural mm-hmm. a historical game about the American Revolution. And and then they, it's opened up. They're looking to expand it to other things. Yeah. But and and they have a program where they'll send copies to schools and, you know, it's pushed as, a, you know, an educational thing and also. You, you, they have a lot of good things and, and I would recommend folks check out flag bearer games and, and their product, but you know, I've never had a, a real interest in five E and, and I still don't, but I think it's smart for them, especially with their, their educational mission. It's smart to use five E to power that because mm-hmm. it's such a ubiquitous system. And it's got me interested. I was talking with Joe Salvador of Raven guy games. He joined in the interview with me. And even though we have other games that we really like, we're probably going to run some of that, be you know, using 5e because that's what's built around, but because of what that game is and what they're trying to do with it. And, and I could even see trying to do that locally here where, where I live, e- even though I would love to introduce people to other systems b- because of that mission, you, mm. you know, and but but, you know, a couple of years ago, hey, are you going to run a 5e game? Oh, no, I would never do that. But <laughs> you have to kind of open yourself up. And, and and that's a little bit far afield from from what where you're going with this, but it's the same kind of thing. You have to be open to it. And I have to be open to the idea that, yeah, 5e is the right thing to do that, because when people, 
teachers and educators and, and if you're trying to set something up the library or local historical site going through this long di- diatribe these are the families of rpgs and this is you know no they mm-hmm. they hear dnd they know what that is they know kids like it so it's an easy sell to use that mm-hmm. in a historical you know for a historical game and you have to be open to it and it's the same thing like you're saying you have to be open to the idea of trying trying to play without Maybe put the dice away. Let the GM take the dice behind the, the screen. Let the GM control your character and just try to play from that character's point of view and do what, you know, be that character. Try to inhabit that space and, and just do that for a game. Be open to, to doing that. Yes, and be, be careful about the term control your character there, though. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. But, but, but try to be in the character frame, right? Yeah. Try to tr- tr- just yeah. try a game where you're trying where your intention is to try to be in the character frame as as much as possible just try it once mm. and you, you may find you like it and the worst thing that would have happened is maybe three hours you, you didn't have the best game of your life which is okay it's you still have three hours with your friends playing the game right mm. so there, there's no negative to trying this really i also think like that there's an inverse as well like so yeah i'm open Right, and I, 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 you know, I like to try things. I'm, I'm, I'm basically a neophyte. Uh, sorry, neophile. Let's get that right. Uh, a neophile. I love new things. Um, but I'm also coming to realize that actually, once you've figured out what it is that you want to do and you enjoy, that there is a great benefit to then shutting down, <laughs> you know, the channel somewhat and saying, no, no, actually, this is where I want to focus my attention. So. And and that's where I'm starting to go. I'm starting to realize that, um, you know, I spent like years trying out lots of different stuff. And there's this never ending kind of trail of new stuff that I could try. It actually, um, now I know what it is that I enjoy doing. It's like starting to say no to some things that I know I won't enjoy doing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, to free up the time to do the things I do enjoy and to bring because you know this is the thing about well, you've got limited time we've got limited attention um so i think yeah i'm with you on the one hand that try new things from time to time um and be open but at the same time if you recognize that like what you're doing is absolutely bringing you kind of maximum joy um then why would you not prioritize that you know and i think we are very good actually of, of kind of allowing our attention to be like pulled all over the place um you know and, and part of that is because we want to be social and we want to we want to sort of fit ourselves in um and and so i don't quite know how this pans out and works but i'm starting to realize that you know getting rid of some things saying no to some things and and you know is actually benefiting me um in the same way that you know when i was struggling with my mental health you know, I had to say no to some things. And one of those things eventually was I had to say no to the job I was doing that was making, you know, that was kind of contributing to my misery. Uh, however scary that was, do you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. however scary it has been for me, and it has been actually quite scary to turn around and say, um, I'm just going to give away these games that I kind of don't think I'm ever really going to play. But, it's, uh, you know, it was it was less painful than I thought it was going to be, but it was nonetheless painful there was difficulty there and then increasingly i'm kind of coming to the conclusion that you know if i know that there's some people i really like hanging around with but uh, the way that they play isn't my jam 
that um, I'm probably better off saying no to playing that, that in that style and in that way than I am. Uh, and I'm better to say to them, you know what, I'd rather hang out and chat or I'd rather kind of do something else as play a board game together or something else that we mutually enjoy than putting myself in that place of doing something for the sake of doing it when I could be mm-hmm. doing something I enjoy more. So like, you know, I'm I'm kind of coming to the point of the view that with the really sort of tactical gamers and really like into that kind of game, um, that I'd actually rather play I'd actually really rather play a big arena fight or something and have a like a proper battle y type uh thing, maybe even using those favorite games rules, role playing game rules, but actually not have any pretensions about this being um you know another world immersed game it's it's mm-hmm. the problem i have is when i was i think i said this when i was on anthony's show but i don't want customer on my chicken do you know what i mean like this right. mixing mm-hmm. these two very different flavors together uh that, that that kind of blends into this weird concoction that i don't like the flavor of which you know for me is probably best epitomized by what mentioning of like 5e D D. um it's kind of like there's nothing in, in wrong with it as such except I don't like that flavor, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it, it's it's that, what well, we in Britain, we have this thing, there's a product called Marmite, which is a, a kind of, I don't know, it's kind of black treacly stuff that you put on your toast or something. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I absolutely detest the stuff. Um, but there is no middle ground with it, you know? <laughs> and um, And I'm coming to the conclusion that like the quality of game that you want to have, whatever the flavor is, that it, there is a real value in pursuing that quality. Um, and that means excluding some things. That means saying, no, this is more important than that thing. Um, and and that's and, and helping people understand that by saying, I don't actually want to play in that game with you guys do, doing that thing isn't a judgment of you guys and isn't a rejection of you as a human being and as people and, you know, you're all great. It's just that I actually don't want to spend my time doing that thing. In the same way that I might not choose to watch a particular TV series that someone recommends to me because I don't like that kind of thing. Um, you know, we all seem to be happy with some sometimes saying no to things. You know, like I'm not really into horror movies. So someone recommends a horror movie to me. I'll probably mention it to my wife because she loves horror movies. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch it. I'll be honest. You know, the chances of me watching it are very small. But you no, know, please don't feel that as a rejection of you as a human being if you recommend a horror film to me. It's just that that's not my jam. And this is the same. I I want to play Everworld Immersed for role playing games. I occasionally like, or I would actually, I suppose, fairly occasionally like to have a bit of a bash and the other extreme tactical kind of super tactical game. Um, what I, what I really don't like is that blurred in the middle thing, um, where it's neither of those two things. And um, and you know. I'm trying to find the confidence, I suppose, to say oh, that's that's not what I want to do, you know, um, more and more and more. And it's hard because most people are settled in that middle. Mm-hmm. That they've accepted it as a sort of that's the, the regular kind of way we play. And so that's the default. And I did this, you know, when I've run the game last night, that's what we ended up with is that default. Um, and it's sort of all right for a one session. Um but I realized, you know, I came out of that kind of feeling like that was probably the crappiest game I've run in a while at the same time as being kind of gloriously fun. Um, and there's a weird, again, back to tensions, back to apparent paradox. And, you know, you know there seems to be a contradiction there, doesn't there? But no, Well, you hear all the time that, you know, game masters talk about, you, you know, or at least 
like like Carl Rodriguez, our mutual friend, GML just presents. We're, we're doing a space game. It was high colonies. I think it was yeah. modified to use the Harn master rules, but we, we went a session or two where we actively as players were avoiding combat because it would have been stupid as those for those characters to get into combat. You know, we we're trying to smuggle somebody out basically off Mars or something mm-hmm. and to get into firefights would be a bad thing because it brings attention to ourselves. And at the end of each session, he's like, Wow, you guys didn't get in any fight. And he felt he was letting us down by not having combat during the session. But we were having a great time. Mm. But but there's almost that you know, almost that universal feeling, like you say, that well, there has to be combat during the game or it's boring. But that's not the mm. case. Yeah. What we and again, this comes back to this thing about like what we are looking to provide and what players are actually wanting to have is often not necessarily matched. And the large part of that is because we don't talk about it. <laughs> I think that's a huge point. And, you know, most of us in the sphere, there, there's some, some young folks out there playing with, with us in the, and obviously you're playing with a number of young folks at school mm. in the school clubs, but as far as the, the discord groups and, you know, the general groups, we're all, you know, middle-aged, I'll be nice, right? Middle-aged or older, and we're not getting any younger. And I think the idea that, you know, if you know you like something and that's what you want to play, then you should focus on that. And if you know you don't like something, why, you, you know, how many years do I have left? I don't know. But why spend three hours of that doing something I don't like? You, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's a very important point. And l- like you say, it, it it's just tough to put your foot down and say, hey, you guys have a great time playing. I, I hope you enjoy the game. It's not my thing tonight. I'm going to, you, you know. Yeah, well, the big fear, of course, is that you end up then alone, which brings me back to soloing. Um, You know, I had uh, just about three, four weeks ago, and I'm still like have this sense, but um, three, four weeks ago, I was absolutely convinced that the only way I was going to get to play the way I want to play is playing solo. Um, Recognizing entirely that a solo game is not at all like a group game, and in fact, way less satisfying uh, in in the dimension of like interaction because you have no interaction with other people you you just it's you and some tools right but actually i would rather play like that in a very immersed style than that middling kind of neither hot nor cold you know lukewarmy Mm -hmm. kind of mishmashy custard on my chicken regular kind of game um and I, I kind of, I mean, maybe I am going to, you know, I there is solo stuff in me to do. And even this morning, you know, I realized I actually had a, another realization about what I need to do with that. Coming back to your original comment about like why I'm doing this and, and it, and yeah, I, I'm playing for me. So there's some stuff that I want to go and explore. Um, you know, there are some ideas that I want to go and explore it, if you like, that I don't think others would other people would be in any way interested in you know so and that's okay you know um and but then then i suspect though you know if i was to record those and put them on solo tales that then there will become some people to start going this is kind of cool um and and that's the weirdest thing about you know about this is that um we can genuinely believe that um we're the only people in the whole universe who want to do the things the way we want to do them um but the truth is that there are 8 billion people on this planet and um, I'm not saying that there's going to be more than, say, I don't know, two, three or four or even five people who want to do what you do. 
but I guarantee you there are that kind of number of people out there somewhere who would like to do what you do. Um, and this is what I was trying to say to Daniel Jones in a recent interview about his other world immersed game, you know, in primary fantasies, get it finished, get it out there. You know, it might be that there's only five or 10 people in the world who want to play that way, but he will transform their lives when he puts that out. You mm -hmm. know, I suspect, even if it's not actually playing the game that he wrote, but actually some of the things that come out of the game that he wrote that just shift the way people think about playing, you know, it's so important. He's already had a huge impact on me and helped me realize lots and lots of things, you know. Um, and I think I keep having a conversation with that guy. And Daniel, if you're listening, forgive me for saying this, but, you know, he says all the time, like, you know, are there really other people who are interested in doing this? You know, he keeps asking that question. And, and the answer is yes. I mean, there aren't hordes, but yes, there are, you know. And so for whatever it is, if you're listening to this and thinking whatever like niche of the hobby that you really want to go do, um, well, go do it, I guess. <laughs> it's like, you know, mm -hmm. um, but you have to, you know, when you make a choice like that, um, what I'm saying is like on the one hand, be open to trying some things out, but on the other hand, recognize like when you don't like something, like shut that crap down quick, <laughs> you know, and, and mm -hmm. go to where go to where the joy is you know um because that you know life uh really um yeah it's too freaking short that's what i'm saying <laughs> right right you you go order a dish at the restaurant you didn't like it maybe it's because that chef did a bad job preparing it but you know you're not going to keep ordering it five ten times to see if it gets better each time <laughs> if you didn't like it you're going to order something else and, yeah. and we need to bring that to the our gaming right yeah, and I mean, keep using food analogies, but I don't. Sorry. I don't like sushi. I I don't like sushi. I don't go to sushi restaurants. And if you love sushi, I'm sorry. I don't like sushi, and you know, I don't want to go to a sushi restaurant with you. No, thank you. Um, I would rather I would rather stay at home. <laughs> but right. I would love to have some time with you doing something else. You know what I mean? It. You know, let's go to. You know, if we went to a different kind of restaurant, there's something more like it or maybe you suggest something i haven't tried i'll be open to going and trying it once you know to see what happens mm -hmm. um but you know in the end though this analogy i guess holds you know for the hobby for the hobby for the gaming it's like once i've had that experience if i liked it well i might go back again but if i don't or if i'm ambivalent even you know then i probably don't want to waste my time going there again and you know right. time and money and my effort um I, I, I'm of the view that we have like three entirely precious things. One of them is actually our life itself, right? The energy that flows through us and keeps us alive. One of them is our time. Um, and another one is our attention. And of course, you know, the these these are commodities, I guess, in a way. You know, like human beings are traded, that's wrong, but they are. And and then our time we trade and and our attention we trade. And sometimes we I think we trade our attention too cheaply. I, I think that's a great point. Yeah. All right. So while we got to in this, because it's been an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 no, I actually, I think that, that, that last thought there is, is a great way to end it. That's a good, cause I think that's a, a great way of summing all this up. You, you know, your time is very, very valuable and you should be doing it. You, you should be maximizing your time. And so if that means not playing the games you don't enjoy or, not staying in a job that's you're not enjoying anymore or you, you know or, or you have to you, you have to care about yourself enough to make your time precious and 
Yeah, I'm going to just say one thing, though, that there is a converse to all of that. And and that is like, if you're in a job you hate, but you need that job to feed your family. Right. Um, or if you're doing something that is necessary, you know, and it's uncomfortable and it's unpleasant, but it's kind of necessary for like the you know fundamentals of what you need to do is life. That's, that's a choice. Um, that being said, I think we can easily get ourselves into the position of, of like accepting that as the norm and not actually looking out for the opportunity to improve ourselves or to improve our situation. And, and, you know, these things are not on the same scale. Don't get me wrong. Um, like, what I do on a kind of role playing session is not really comparable to my like providing for my family, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm doing with my even with food and mental health, that's not you know these things are all bound together. But you know those they're just analogies. They're ways of saying, well, what are you doing with your time, and do you have to accept that um, price for you know? Um, I'm kind of thinking like you know if you're the we have the, the the struggling author in the garret, right? Who's doing some dreadful, awful, um, low-paid, shitty job to put food on the table whilst they perform their dream. I think that's perfectly noble. Um, you know, like I think, like if you were going to put something out there into the universe and try and change the culture and and make a great contribution to things, and that's what you want to do, that you should absolutely go and do that thing. And we make sacrifices for those things that are important. In the same way as if you decide to have children, you know, you're going to make sacrifices for your family. And if you're going to like, you know, do a particular, you know, there are some careers in, in the in in the world that require deep sacrifice. And I'm kind of thinking about our military and I'm thinking about you know those kinds of like great service roles in, in, you know, hospitals and in, mm-hmm. and, you know, all those kind of things that, you know, having just come out of a pandemic, I have a whole new appreciation for those people who genuinely do something that matters, um, you know, in a way that perhaps not, not everything matters at the same degree. Right. So, um, um, and, and it's just kind of you know, bringing this right back to the, the game. It's like, um, we can't really make those direct comparisons, but what we can say is, well, is what we're doing mattering enough to us? And is it mattering enough to the people we're doing it with? And if it really isn't, like ringing your bell or you know qualitatively there in the way that you want it to be then what choices can you make what tweaks can you make you know to to make that that an improvement um and and you know that's an open question mm-hmm. jason thanks for coming having a chat no, that's that's fine thank you for um hopefully i didn't we didn't go too uncomfortable or it wasn't you know yeah. Too, too far afield i don't know I, I don't know what the episode's about so but uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that we, no no it's all cool that's all good and you know just let me stop the recording thanks again for your time yeah big thank you once again to jason from the nerds rpg variety cast for hopping online and sharing this conversation i'll stick a link to his stuff in the show notes as i said this is the end of season 12 i'm not really sure if and when i'll be back for more episodes so thank you for showing up and listening over the past four and a half years if you have any questions or comments i'll love to hear from you call in via speakpipe.com slash roleplayrescue 
and leave your message. Thanks once again to all the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. And thank you to John from Tale of the Manticore for the Roleplay Rescue theme music. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I hope to see you again sometime. Game on.